This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9. Good morning. It's 7.06 a.m. on Wednesday, the 13th of December. Uh, you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mukhtar with Keith Kam and Anwar Mahbob. In half an hour, we're going to be discussing the state of the global semiconductor industry in light of continuing U.S.-China frictions. But as always, we're going to kickstart the morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight. It's green all across the board. Well, the Dow closed up 0.5%. S&P 500 was up 0.5%. The Nasdaq was up 0.7%. On the Asian front, Nikkei was up 0.2%. Hang Seng was up 1.1%. Shanghai Composite was up 0.4%. The STI was up 0.4%. And our very own FBM KLCI was up 0.05%. All right. For some thoughts on what's moving international markets, we have on the line with us Jack Cousy, Director for Strategy at VFS Group in Sydney. Jack, good morning. Always good to have you. Now, as we can see, the current U.S. stock rally seems predicated on a Goldilocks scenario, one where there's economic growth without recession, coupled with Fed rate cuts next year due to falling inflation. How feasible is this scenario? Is that really what we're going to see moving forward? And when will we actually see that happen? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting market, isn't it? Uh, good news is good news. Bad news is good news. <laughs> and, you know, last night's inflation figures were, I don't know, how do I say it? Neutral news, but that was good news too. So, yeah, it's amazing how things change, isn't it? I mean, if you were, we were talking, you know, we talk every two weeks. And in the middle of this year, we were saying, you know, I was I was clear, like, no, we're not going to move down in terms of rates. Um, now the market's pricing in a rate move down in, in May 2024, and it could come earlier. I still don't think that's going to happen. Mm. Uh, but it's an interesting scenario. So everybody's, I guess we're pricing in a no landing. And it's, you know, the strength of the US economy and the strength of the consumer has to be applauded in spite of all the interest rate hikes that we've had, that central banks have done, not only in the US, but around the world. Um, the U.S. consumer and the world consumer is still quite strong. So we've underestimated uh, how strong they are. And I think the key one is employment is still quite strong. So we can carry any of that slower growth that we're possibly going to have. Um, but it looks like it's going to be a no landing. Now, the question is what happens when we get back from holidays and when we start repricing markets or looking where markets are in valuations, considering the run we've had through November and, and mid-December. So... Look, we talked about this about a month ago. I think we've got clear runway in terms of market growth or asset growth, uh, probably towards the mid to the end of Jan. And then we come back and we start to see where things are, are fairly valued. But um, it's been a considerable strength in the US economy and, and rightfully so to see this rally. US and China IPOs generally had a dismal year in 2023. What were the main reasons for that? And will 2024 be a better year? Yeah, I mean, I think IPOs are a victim of the broader S&P 500. I mean, if you take the S&P 500, even though we've had a bit of a rally in the last couple of weeks of, you know, your smaller cap stocks and outside of that magnificent seven, it's been a horror run for most sectors in most areas. You know, utilities, energy, commodities, financials haven't had a great run this year. It's been, you know, a concentrated trade. And that hasn't necessarily left, I guess, IPOs. You know, I think in terms of China, I think they've got a PR problem at the moment, a significant public relations problem. You have seen a lot of flight out of China in what I think are fairly or undervalued equities. So, you know, to ask people to invest in IPOs or Chinese IPOs, 
um, has been quite a strain. And I think the US has just been a victim of, of the Magnificent Seven. It's such a concentrated trade and fairly so. Like we continue to talk about the concentration of the trade, but it's a rightful trade. I mean, these are free cash flow, great companies, enormous growth, profitable in an environment where everything else is lacking in terms of growth. So I think they've been the victim of that. And in terms of China, I mean, China's got a massive PR problem at the moment, um, which they are trying to solve, but it's proving proving quite difficult. Jack, if you say it's a PR problem, fundamentally, uh, would would you advocate for uh, more focus on 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 on, on Chinese uh, companies? Yeah, I mean, my my um, my bullishness on China hasn't wavered um, in the last two years. I mean, we've seen some pockets of rally in China. You know, you look at you know, something like a Pindo Duo, which I think is, is you know, a phenomenal company. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in terms of in terms of growth and in terms of what you're getting, um, in terms of PEs, I think they're fairly undervalued, particularly their, their tech stocks um, in the midst of, you know, a, a slowing economy in China. Um, so, yes, you know, I would still continue to move um, assets and allocate resources within a portfolio into China. You cannot cut China out of the global economy. It's just impossible. Um, and I think in spite of a, um, a property a property downturn, a massive one, it has actually been quite resilient to maintain what it's doing right now. So I, I still believe it's going to be a, a bullish run for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is there's a lot of Western funds leaving China and it's a simple supply and demand. You sell down assets, there has to be people that buy it. And therefore, we're seeing what we're seeing. And obviously, there's some structural problems there. But yes, still bullish on the Chinese economy, in particular, their companies. So here's a chance for you, Jack. Uh, Chinese online retailer Shein has reportedly filed for an IPO in the US next year. Uh, They estimate $90 billion uh, valuation. What are your thoughts on this e-commerce giant and their plans to go public? Well, let's not call them Chinese. (laughs) uh, They certainly aren't calling themselves Chinese. Um, Again, the PR problem, right? <laughs> they, yeah, well, they, they're a hand on a fist trying to convince people they aren't Chinese, um, which is actually a true story. So, you know, they've, they've been obviously canvassing this IPO for quite a long time. They were last valued at $66 billion. Uh, so it's a massive uptick in valuation. Um, but their headquarters are believer in Singapore um, and they continue to run that line. But they are a Chinese firm. Uh, interesting, there's some blocks here from Congress. Um, there's a lot of U.S. senators and U.S. congressmen who are trying to block the IPO um, within the U.S. on the grounds of human rights issues and on the grounds of avoiding um, delivery tax for um, shipments under $800. So they do have that PR problem they are at the moment as long as the human rights issue. So there was talk in the last couple of days that they were looking at the London Stock Exchange it's an interesting company, you know, it's kind of like fashion on demand. It's done really well. It's really eaten into that lower end, I guess, pricing. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see where the perspective is. Um, but this is another element of innovative Chinese companies, which we forget or tend to forget in the notion of geopolitics and this whole notion of uninvestable in China. But um, yeah, come out to have a, a deeper look at the prospectus. Do you think that they could pose a threat to Amazon, which currently dominates the US e-commerce market? It's probably still early days, but uh, how big of a threat are they to the incumbents? Yeah, I think them and Timu are definitely a threat. If you look at Amazon, actually, in the last couple of days, they've made some changes on the way they charge um, their vendors 
coming onto the Amazon marketplace, particularly those lower-end vendors where Timu and Xi'an compete with. Um, so Amazon is very well aware of what they're doing. And, and I look at something like Timu, which has had a meteoric rise in US users. Mm. Uh, both these companies are making a significant, I mean, not a significant, but definitely a dent into um, Amazon's you know, kind of monopoly on, on this area. Reaction to Google, epic antitrust lawsuit. How much of a risk is this to Google's fortunes? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I haven't read into it too much. I have seen some of the headlines. I mean, we we seem to talk about an antitrust case in the US, you know, once every six to 12 months. Um, and, you know, if we, I, I'll go back to China. You know, China has just undergone one of the biggest antitrust kind of regulations ever seen. Um, one of the features of their economy is that they can do it in a sweeping change, whereas, you know, one of the features of the US economy is it takes time. So, mm. look, we, we constantly hear about this. Um, I think there is an element where big tech should be regulated. I think it's good for innovation um, and I welcome it um, in a p- constructive manner. But I, at the moment, I think it's a nothing burger in terms of, you know, looking at the share price. All right, Jack, thanks so much for speaking with us. That was Jack Cousy, Director for Strategy at VFS Group, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, Commenting earlier about the outlook for the U.S. economy and the fact that uh, we may end up with that, uh, I I think, the best case scenario of a no landing, right? Between Mm. a hard landing or a soft landing. That's what we've been arguing all all year. Uh, And now it seems to come to a no landing, as Jack put it, uh, given that uh, the economy still remains very much robust. But yeah, I mean, looking at, at how stocks are, are performing, we are seeing pretty much of a rally uh, towards the end of the year. Maybe Santa Claus is coming very, very soon. Um, but I, I, I like that he pointed out that he is still quite uh, bullish about, about China and what China is actually suffering from is just bad PR. I mean, that the fundamentals are still there. Uh, in some ways, yeah. I think we do see that the economy is still very much weighed down by the property crisis. And as long as the property crisis continues uh, to unravel there, I think that's going to be a significant uh, drawback to investing in China, I feel, and also in terms of the growth of the economy. But yes, in terms of other areas, perhaps tech, he mentioned that they were undervalued. So it's well worth a look at if you're looking mm. to park money into China, perhaps. But again, these are probably longer term plays, uh, given the sentiment of the moment as everybody's strategy should be when you when you when you uh, invest your your money in anything it should be for the long term so i think uh, we can quickly look over to uh, we were talking about uh, core inflation in the us and this is going to be a key factor in the fed as the fomc convenes i think they, they're probably talking as we speak right now right we're uh, due to get here from uh, the us fed in terms of whether they'll hold rates or not i think it feels like uh, the likely outcome is that they will be holding rates but when will they start to cut? Will there be further hikes down the line? I think all those questions uh, are still yet to be determined and everyone's still parsing through what Jerome Powell is going to say. Uh, But yes, U.S. core inflation did rise. Year-on-year core inflation stayed flat at 4%. Well, this reaffirms the notion that U.S. Fed may need to hold interest rates. I mean, coming Wednesday, uh, analysts expect that policymakers may lean towards retaining a more hawkish bias given prices continue to rise at an uncomfortably fast pace. And these Fed officials are also sensitive to upside risk to inflation. 
Yeah, so expectations for the vote, like you said, uh, is it should be out later today. Uh, it's to keep interest rates at their current range of between five and a quarter percent to five and a half percent. The headline rate edged lower to three point one percent, and this was in line with expectations and marginally just below October's three point two percent rate. So while the market is still anticipating a, a quarter point cut in interest rates by next May, but there's some time to come, traders have trimmed their expectations after the data release. And I think Jack also mentioned that uh, May might be a little bit too early for rate cuts in his view. But again, I think the rules of the game or the board is always changing. So uh, we'll be checking in uh, as things unfold. 7.18 in the morning. Let's head into some messages. We'll continue to cover the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.